It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I love 40s. Hi, what's up? Welcome to episode number 617 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, December the 5th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. We have team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got the Locked On NHL Network with a lot of great things to check out over there. The National Show, the Fantasy Show, all the team-focused shows, we've got baseball shows for you, we've got football, we've got college, we've got everything covered on the Lockdown Podcast Network, so make sure you're subscribing, rating, and reviewing to the shows covering the teams that you like the most, and uh, you can do that with this show as well. Please, the ratings and reviews are lovely, they help us get in the rankings and all that good stuff, so thanks in advance for doing that. All right, on today's show, uh, the buzzer just went and the Raptors just fell 119-109 for their second straight loss uh, in a row against the Houston Rockets. Blah! The, the, the Rockets are a nightmare to watch, man. Just a uh, ugly, disjointed, not very flowy game at all. And it was a product of the defense the Raptors decided to play against James Harden. And that bled into everything else that happened in this game. So we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about the performances of Kyle Lowry, who was very, very good, and Pascal Siakam, who was sort of weird and mostly good in the first half and then not so much in the second. There's the rotation choices by Nick Nurse and some questions about the bench that are kind of arising from this game as well. Bit of a weird one, um, and so we'll get all into it on today's show. But it probably is smart to start with the way the Raptors defended James Harden in this one. And look, the Raptors have made no secret that their goal when they play defense is to isolate stars and make them work. And boy, did they make James Harden work tonight. And actually, not really. They made the Houston Rockets and they made themselves work in the interest of keeping James Harden from doing all of the work, I guess would be the best way to describe it. Um, the, the the Raptors were really aggressive. They would send two to Harden pretty much any time he crossed half court. Very rarely did they go single coverage. And as a result of that, they were kind of inviting the Rockets into four on threes in every single possession. And at times that works because, you know, a lot of the time Russell Westbrook is out there taking the threes and boy, is Russell Westbrook depressing to watch. He was 0-6 from three in this game, 7-27 overall. Uh, He kind of blows ass and like... That defense worked, I think, early on in particular because a lot of those shots were funneling towards Russell Westbrook. But then as the game went on and sort of different guys got in for Mike D'Antoni, it was Daniel House 
and to a lesser extent, Austin Rivers, and then to a much greater extent, Ben McLemore, former Raptors, almost 10-day guy who came into camp and was bad and is not good at basketball, but apparently is good at basketball now, who had 28 points in this one and 8 of 17 from 3. 9 of 18 overall, all wide open threes that they were getting out of the uh, really aggressive defense they're running at James Harden, and this was a problem for a few reasons. I mean, you take your chances when you're up against a team that has a player like Harden who's so dangerous and so hard to stop, and so I, I didn't hate the idea of sending a lot of attention his way. You know, when you think about the guys who were on the floor in the starting five outside of Harden, only really P.J. Tucker, you would think, is that much of a threat to kill you from three. He had a five threes tonight as well. He was really good, and every time it seemed like the Raptors got close, it felt like Tucker was banging in a corner three. But between Clint Capella, Russell Westbrook, and Ben McElmore, like none of those guys really scare you all that much. I know Russ is like explosive and everything, but he also takes horrible, horrible shots and turns it over a bunch. He had eight turnovers in this game, and you're kind of hoping to goad Russell Westbrook into shooting the team out of the game, but you don't really account for the fact that a Ben McLemore or a Daniel House or an Austin Rivers are going to combine for 14 threes altogether. And, you know, when that happens, you kind of have to change things up a little bit. And there are a few reasons why I thought the Raptors maybe should have gone away from their Harden-centric defense in this one. You know, look, they, they did a good job limiting Harden, I guess. He had 23 points, but it was an efficient 23. He was 7 of 11, didn't shoot himself out of the game, was 3 of 5 from downtown, picked his spots, got in transition a little bit, and he, he you know, he chipped in 7 boards and 3 assists. I would imagine he probably had like a dozen hockey assists in this game just because so often it was he would pass to the guy sort of flashing to the top of the nail, he would get it to them, and they'd fire it to the corner, and then someone was bombing a 3. So I'd be interested to to see how many uh, secondary assists Harden had, but like so they, they kept him quiet, and 23 points is one of the lower totals he's had, but there's, again, a few reasons why I think maybe they should have gone away from it. First of all, it was exhausting the Raptors to play this scrambling, constantly recovering from a four-on-three situation, always putting themselves in a four-on-four at least. There were a couple times where they had like OG Ananobi face-guarding Harden near near half-court, and it was just a straight four-on-four below like the free-throw line, essentially. And you know you take your chances with the Raptors' defense against the, hard, like, the Rockets without Harden on offense, but... When it got to the four on three where they were really scrambling after trapping Harden, it just became really hard to sustain over the course of the entire game. And you had Pascal Siakam, who started this game off really well. He was, you know, attacking mismatches because, man, there are mismatches all over the floor when you're up against the Rockets, especially when you're with Siakam, who really can only be sort of guarded by PJ Tucker in one on one situations on the Rockets. And even then, it wasn't like really all that much of a contest, but. You could visibly see it as the game went along. Siakam was just exhausted from having to run all over the place. You know, the you know, the the pain in the ass part of having him be this like amazing athletic spry defender is that you use that, you use those skills, and then he burns himself out. And so as he got to the second half, it just kind of felt like he was losing steam. He didn't have the legs on his shot. He was 2 of 8 from 3. I believe he started the game 6 of 10, finished 9 of 22, sort of the inverse of that Portland game uh, a couple weeks back, and he just didn't seem to have it. Even late in the game, there was a possession when it was kind of out of reach, but maybe they had a chance to sort of, you know, make a possession game late in the last minute and a half or so, and he pretty much had like a wide open run to the basket, but just seemed too tired almost to finish it off and threw a weird pass, and um, it ended up, I think, with a miss, and just uh, a bizarre Siakam game and a bit of a, a tricky run for him here, obviously. The last three games, I would say, this is probably his weakest three-game stretch maybe over the last two years, if you combine it all, and especially this year when he's taken on this new role. 
Am I terribly worried? Not really. I think, you know, it's it's growing pains. It's also kind of adapting to having Kyle Lowry back in after being so clearly the main focus of the attention of the defense for so long. And, you know, having this sort of reintegration of Lowry, ultimately it's going to be a good thing. And we'll get to Lowry. He was awesome. And ultimately it's going to be a good thing because, like, the team is very good with Kyle Lowry on the floor. And this is known and it's proven. And it's, like, it's not going to change any. Like, I don't see why it would change now that they had this run where they were 9-2 and without him. It doesn't make any sense that they would just be bad without him. They should get better. But... It just seems like maybe Siakam's kind of finding himself uh, a little sort of unsure of himself and, and sort of where he fits into the hierarchy. He should, she should still be the number, the number one, and he is not really sort of asserting himself the way that he should. There were a couple times in this game where he got a switch, whether it was Harden or Westbrook on him, and he kind of was a little passive about it. There was even one possession in the first half where he had the switch and then sort of passed it off, and then OG had, I think, Harden on him, and, Harden, and OG was just like, all right, I guess I'll do it. Um, and so... As Siakam got more passive, more tired, I would have liked to have seen them maybe sort of go away from the crazy defense they were asking them to play because Siakam was bearing a lot of the brunt of that, was constantly the guy having to rotate around um, to, you know, he was one of the three guys back after the two guards would trap, and it would have been nice maybe to see a bit of a change in that. I mean, the Rockets are pretty positionless, right? So you could have had, I think, Siakam go up and do some trapping, which might have been interesting because of how long he is. If you trap with, you know, Norm and Siakam as opposed to Norm and Fred, then maybe that sort of changes the angles at which Harden has to pass. And then you don't have Siakam scrambling around like a madman all the time. Um, But there wasn't much deviation in terms of who they were sending Harden's way. That was one sort of uh, unfortunate part of the defense tonight. And then the other part of it too is just like, I think they probably could have gotten by better than most teams can with just single coverage. Like, Fred Van Vliet is really good. Yes, he's probably got a little too much in the way of size given up to Harden to really trust him on a bunch of possessions, but he's smart. He can poke the ball away. He, I think, is you know pretty good at avoiding fouls, and I thought he, he would have been an interesting option. And then OG Ananobi... Like, this is the guy who his first career start was a game against the Rockets in Houston, and he absolutely punked Harden. And we haven't really gotten to see that matchup all that much since then. Uh, I think he played in the second game that season. I think he did pretty well in his rookie year. But last year, I, I don't really think we saw much of OG in the Rockets matchup. And obviously, he has he had such a lesser role on the team with Kawhi and Danny Green out there. Um, and though, so I was kind of excited to see you know, OG get that, that job. And he, you know, there were a couple possessions where he was on him, but not much. And I wish we would have seen more because, you know, that could have been a way to save your legs and also just have one-on-one coverage. That's not terrible. And ultimately, if you have one-on-one coverage and you're tempting James Harden to fire a bunch of threes off and to, you know, have to deal with that OG and an OB constant length and strength in your face for that long, then you're kind of, you know, setting the Rockets up to fail a little bit because, you know, Harden can score 50 all he wants. They lose sometimes. They lose a lot when he has to score that much just because there's only so much a guy can do. There's only, you know, you take 30 shots, eventually you're going to get tired. And I thought the way that the Raptors were playing against the Rockets in this one sort of really fed into Harden and allowed him to be his most effective self. And it also manifested itself on the defensive end too, where Harden was really, really good at that end tonight. He took a couple charges. He was getting in there. He poked some balls free, stood up to Siakam in one-on-one pretty well a couple times and was able to sort of have that energy for the defensive end that he typically doesn't have when he's carrying an insane 35% usage and, you know, bombing up shots from all over the place and just fighting against really tough single coverage. 
Um, I thought it was like a weird sort of uh, instance of Nick Nurse not being terribly adaptable in this one. And maybe they just sort of drilled it into the team for so long that they were going to make this happen. And look, they got it close in the second half. The third quarter was really strong as the Macklemores and the Houses and the Rivers started to miss a bunch of threes and it, the, you know, the sort of averages you know played out the way you would expect them to. But it just felt like... With the way the Rockets were picking apart the Raptors and just constantly having a line of open shots, like there's a reason those shots went in at a higher rate than they're typical than the, than the threes typically would. Is you know a lot of them were just wide open and it was by design. And I don't really care how bad Ben McLemore is if you give him a million open threes. He's an NBA player. He's gonna start knocking them down. And then the more the rhythm builds, the more he becomes dangerous. And um, I just I would have liked to have seen a little bit of a, of an adaptability from Nick Nurse in this game, which we typically see. But um, it seemed like they really went in steadfast with what they were going to do against Harden, and there was no room for changing it up or deviation, and it ended up burning them because this was a really, really good Harden game on both ends, and the Raptors kind of allowed that to happen, I think. So curious to see how the matchup changes when they play them again. I would imagine the Raptors will do things a little bit differently, uh, and you know that's, that's the nice sort of thing that you kind of know with Nick Nurse is you can be um, hopeful and give the benefit of the doubt that he will change things up and get a little bit more in terms of creative and but yeah it was not awesome and you know as much as the Raptors are really really good with these janky defenses it leads to a lot of problems and that leads me into talking about the other problem from this game uh, that was sort of the byproduct of the janky ass defenses and that's the offensive rebounding. But first, I want to remind people that you can sponsor the podcast. If you have a company, you're looking for some extra reach. If you're a local Toronto company, if you're not, whatever it is, uh, if you're looking to gain a little extra reach into the 18 to 35 demographic, largely male, please consider sponsoring the podcast. You can email me at sean.woodley1 and we can get that process started for you. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So yeah, the offensive rebounding uh, reared its ugly head again, once again in this game. And look, Nick Nurse, I believe, talked about this before the game, and I think he actually used the word janky. You know, against the Rockets, you got to get weird, right? And they you know ran box and one, they ran uh, the the trap defense, they ran some really sort of outside the box, not at all foundational defenses. And when you're doing that you're sort of sacrificing rebounding and it has to be more of a communicative effort and people have to be sort of pointing and directing traffic and, you know, someone's always got to be there. And with having two guys above the the arc a lot of the time to go hound Harden, you you have less guys to gang rebound with. And then with the Rockets, where they're bombing a bazillion threes, the rebounds are long and they're just kind of falling into the soft spots. And when you have Russell Westbrook out there, who's just constantly hounding and, and, and you know, probing for those offensive boards, you got Clint Capella out there, you had nine offensive rebounds 
rebounds tonight. You're just four on the defensive end. Um, you know, you give up 20 offensive rebounds in a game. That's going to kill you. The Rockets are a team that are pretty efficient as it is. And if you're giving them 11 or 10 more shots in a game than, than you have, it was 98 to 88 in this game. If you're giving that up, in, in addition to giving up 22 of 55 from three, there's just no way you're going to keep up with the math game. And look, the Raptors got to the line pretty well tonight. They, they you know, they, I think, tried their best to force turnovers and stuff like that to sort of even out the possession game. And they won the turnover battle 17, or 22 to 17. But just there was no commitment to the defensive rebounding at all in this game. And that really cost them. And, you know, again, another reason why I thought maybe Nurse should have tried changing things up a little bit and getting a little bit more sort of traditional in the way they were playing defense, just because, you know, th- there, there were so many things about the Harden focused defense that weren't working, you know, as much as it was nice to not have Harden just constantly, you know, forcing you into, you know, three point shooting fouls and, you know, bombing up threes and kind of running the offense and scoring 50 on your ass. All of the things that sort of stemmed from what they had to do to ensure Harden only took 11 shots in this game were completely, you know, seeing the Raptors fall apart on the back end. And I, uh, I don't, Love to like put a game on coaching and stuff like that, but it really, I think this game above all is probably a coaching thing, um, based on how the defense just never really changed over the course of the game. And look, I, I'm fully pro Nick Nurse, he's an extremely good coach. People can make mistakes, people can have rough nights, and this was one of the rougher coaching nights I think we've seen from Nick Nurse. And on that topic, too, the rotation was a little bit weird in this one, you know, the, the bench unit. I think has shown a little bit of juice here. I think the Lowry, Abaca, Rondé, Davis, and Powell lineup in spurts has been really exciting. It's, you know, heavy on the offensive glass, and it's annoying, and it has some some flourishes that are just, like, really exhilarating. Um, but there's not been a ton of sort of leash for those guys, I don't think. And I think, you know, Kyle Lowry played 42 minutes in this game. The rotation thing there, once again, I mean, yes, he's really good, and good things happen when he's on the floor. But at the same time, you got to manage that a little bit better. And, you know, maybe we could have seen more Terrence Davis. I don't know. And really the main thing from this game was that we didn't see much OG. And again, I really think OG would have been a nice answer to throw at James Harden. But because they weren't using the single coverage, you know, defensive coverage on Harden, I guess the need for him was a little bit less pronounced. And he wasn't great from three tonight. He was just one of seven as he sort of uh, snaps back to, I think, more reasonable 40-ish percent uh, percentages from downtown as opposed to the 50 plus he's been at all season. Um, And there was a lot of Norm in this game. And look, Norm comes with the good and comes with the bad. That's kind of the story of Norm all the time. The most Norm sequence of all time is getting fouled, missing two free throws, then stealing it, and then going to the line again right away uh, and and knocking those free throws down. Um, And Norm continues to be a nice little spark plug. He seems to be pretty confident in his driving game right now. He's able to sort of split apart the defense in a way that not many guys on the Raptors are at the moment. And so I understand the impetus for Nick Nurse to roll with Powell a little bit, but I I still think OG probably deserved more time in this game. His defense is really good. His cutting is really good. He's a good rebounder all of a sudden uh, after not really being one for most of his career, and it could have helped today for sure, I think. And I just, you know... It's hard to nitpick, right? It's hard to, you know, go on the fly and you're you're feeling things out. And obviously there's a reason that these people are coaches ahead of me. But just I, I think Norm closing this game seemed a little bit weird to me. I understood it in the last game much more because he really was the only source of offense. It felt like they could have found other sources of offense in this game if they really wanted to. You know, Kyle had it going pretty well. He was 5 of 8 from the field. He was 3 of 5 from downtown um, doing all of his Kyle things. And Siakam, had he not been scrambling around all the whole time, had some pretty favorable matchups he could have exploited. But 
just it never quite came together. There were like whole stretches of this game that it would have coached the exact opposite way probably after seeing how the first half unfolded, which is unfortunate, but it's, you know, also it's one game. And, and I guess this sort of leads us into the grander discussion after this loss to the Rockets and sort of what it all means and how the Raptors stack up to the better teams in the league. Uh, so we'll get to that in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor for today, and that is my bookie. Are you the type of fan that knows football or basketball so well you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet between the football season and NBA and the start of the college basketball season. It's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of person who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites in a given week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games for much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Are you tired of watching games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants you to get your mind off everything else and back to the game. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. That is an incredible offer. You just got to enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate it. Once again, the promo code is locked on NBA to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax, make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. So I'm sure a lot of the discourse, capital D, coming out of this game is going to be tied to the fact that the Raptors have now lost two straight games against teams that are uh, above 500, that are good, that you would consider sort of pseudo-contender-ish type teams, teams sort of in the same tier as the Raptors. And I think it's probably fair to ask if this is a bad sign going forward for what the Raptors are going to do in the conference. I know the schedule itself has been pretty difficult when it comes to the road trip and some pretty tough teams and obviously not having Kyle on hand it made things pretty difficult as well um, and Abaka being out too but you know I guess there are certainly some concerns about the record against really good teams and you know you think about if you're trying to size up the games that have sort of been like measuring stick type games so far this year, they're probably something like four and six or something like that. I don't have the exact list in front of me right now, but it's probably something a little bit below 500 and not terribly inspiring. And, you know, that is, you know, certainly something to keep an eye on for sure. And I think we'll probably learn a little bit more here as we go through the rest of the month as they play the Clippers and they play the Sixers this coming Sunday and they have the Boston Celtics a couple times later in the month, even though they're trash and the, the Mavericks are coming up too. So, We'll probably learn more about this, and I guess maybe there's a chance that we get to the end of the month and the Raptors have, you know, lost a few more games than they've won and, you know, the panic sets in. But I also think that it's probably premature to be sounding those alarms as well, just because 
look, it's the second game in a row. Like, it's a small sample to begin with. They played pretty well in both of these games. They're still the only team in the league that has not been blown out at all, that's been within five points uh, in the last five minutes in every single game of the season so far. Like, that, uh, to me, is a pretty telling indicator that they're at least very close to all of these teams, if not able to close them out. And, hey, maybe you can have some questions about Pascal Siakam's ability as a closer as of right now, 20 games into the season. But I also think that's something that's going to improve over the course of the year. And we've seen him close games so far this year against pretty good defenders like Jonathan Isaac and, um, you know, a couple other, I think the first night of the season against the Pelicans, he really sort of took over. We've seen it against the Blazers, maybe not always the best defensive teams that he's doing it against, but he's shown that sort of instinct that, you know, okay, now we need buckets. I'm going to go do this thing. Um, And I think tonight in particular, he just didn't have it because he was exhausted from what they were doing. And so I, you know, I'm not terribly concerned. I think there was a stat put out today about the best uh, defensive ratings and offensive ratings against the top 10 defenses and offense in the, in the league. And the Raptors were in the top 10 of both. I believe they were about seventh or eighth in both of those categories. So against the best teams, they're still performing pretty well when it comes to uh, their offense and defense and net rating and stuff like that. So that's encouraging for sure. It's like kind of the opposite of what it was back in like 2017, 18, for example, when they had that really good defense, they were top five, but against the best teams, they sucked. They, they don't suck against the best teams. And They're in all of these games, which to me is more encouraging than anything else. And I think as things stabilize, like, look, in this league, this season in particular, where there is no very clear like super team that's out there winning 65 games outside of the Bucks, maybe, um, but they're not a super team by any means. They're Giannis with a bunch of dudes. Like, I I think there are going to be a lot of games where, you know, a lot of records for for teams against teams above 500 where it's going to be pretty even and there's going to be a lot of coin flip games and stuff like that in there because it's a pretty even playing field so I don't I I would never expect the Raptors to have come out and beaten the piss out of all these really good teams the fact that they've been close with all of them to me is more of an encouraging sign and I I think it's probably a little bit too early to sound the alarms you know there are definitely some concerns as you know you would expect the three-point shooting is going to regress as we saw a little bit of that today and we have over the last little while I guess with some of these guys who started off insanely hot um but there's also still a lot of reason to believe that the best version of this team still lies ahead because they just got Kyle Lowry back and they're working him in and they're figuring out how it all works. And uh, I have no doubt that in very short order, it's going to work because guess what? Kyle Lowry rules said he was so good tonight. And really all of the best moments of this game where the Raptors looked their most threatening and when they went on their runs were with Kyle Lowry on the floor. And the biggest stretches of concern were ones where Kyle had to sit and they would bring in Fred and, you know, Siakam to run with bench guys or Fred and Gasol or whatever it was. And typically, as is want to happen, it's when Lowry's sitting that the Raptors kind of went into a tailspin and were kind of in tread water mode. And I mean, I guess that's maybe the reason why Nick Nurse played him 42 minutes, because the six minutes he was out were kind of disastrous. But so there's no doubting Kyle Lowry's general goodness and positive impact on the team. I think just maybe there's a, a couple games here to sort of get reacquainted with everything, right? Like they played such a desperate and different style and their rotations were so out of whack for that entire run. I'm not surprised necessarily that we've seen some, you know, disjointed play from the bench as they try to figure out how they slot back in. And Ronda Hollis Jefferson in particular has been a little bit weird offensively. I mean, he's always weird offensively, but particularly so in this one, even though he was pretty fun on the offensive glass. And I think Terrence Davis is still sort of, you know, trying to find the comfort zone as well as the third ball handler as opposed to the second ball handler. And Serge Ibaka even, you know, tonight looked a little bit 
ragged. He was a minus 19. Um, you know, he seemed really bothered by the, the Rockets whenever they would kind of collapse down and challenge him near the rim. He had a couple turnovers, and he was only 4 of 10 from the field, and a couple weird sort of turnarounds and stuff like that. Uh, not the best game from Ibaka, but I do think, you know, he, he's a very useful and valuable player, and it does seem like that bench unit should work in theory. Maybe there's a way they can they can sort of jiggle it up a little bit to get a little bit more shooting out there in addition to Lowry and Powell. And I guess Davis, you would consider him a shooter too. Maybe there's a way to maybe take Gasol out earlier and have Gasol run with the bench guys. I'm not quite sure just yet, um, but this is the regular season. There's 61 games left for Nick Nurse to toy with some stuff, and there's a lot to toy with here. And so because it hasn't worked for a couple of games with everyone healthy, I don't think that necessarily means that uh, things are never going to click because I'm pretty sure they will. <laughs> this is a team that always finds a way to click. And, you know, this is not exactly the best week to try to, you know, reintroduce Kyle and, and, and surge into the lineup and, you know, maintain the same flow and desperation they had in every single game and the energy they had in every single game because they had to. It was energy by necessity for a lot of that uh, run with Kyle out. And I, I just think, you know, against the Heat and Rockets, two very strange team to, teams to play against. One with the with the Heat, who are just so in your face. Again, the Kenny Banya of NBA teams, and then you have the Rockets, who are just like they're so unorthodox in how they play. Even though they do play like a very modern style, no one has taken it to their extreme. And the way Harden plays and sort of his unguardability makes you have to sort of get outside yourself and do weird things. And so you've had these two disjointed opponents. I'm not surprised the Raptors have not been able to find a flow with Kyle back in the lineup over these two games. But I think it'll come, and maybe it comes on Sunday. Maybe it'll be the matter of Joel Embiid uh, submitting once again to the will of Marcus Saul that kind of turns things around here. I'm not quite sure, but. I don't think there's too much cause for alarm just yet. And hey, even if they lose like eight games in a row, there's no cause for alarm, really, because uh, they won the title last year, and that should still be the thing you think about. And you should still be buying Christmas gear and Christmas stuff that's all uh, title-related, because that's still a thing you get to do this year, no matter how many games they lose in the regular season. Uh, Hakuna Matata all the way, baby. And So I'll leave it at that. It's a tough loss, certainly some things to keep an eye on, and some... Uh, emerging red flags from a couple part of the parts of the team but also it's a team i think that's uh, very much uh, you know earned the benefit of the doubt for uh, at least a little bit longer here as they sort things back out with kyle coming back so that'll do it thank you so much for tuning in i'm going to be back again on a friday probably do a mailbag episode see if i can solicit some poor soul uh to join me on one of them and uh, on the mailbag tomorrow and it'll be fun and so I'll talk to you then. Uh, until then, please subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts. It's very much appreciated. Uh, you can still buy We the Champs wherever you get your books. And that will do it. We will talk to you on Friday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.